Great job, team. Let's give the worship team a round of applause. That's great. And I was thinking, I was thinking, um, you know, when it says, you know, when you pray without doubting and you pray the prayer of faith, JP, wherever JP went, there he is. Nothing's impossible. It says, it says, you can say to this mountain, be uprooted and cast into the sea. What do you think about it? Philip, it's good to see you, brother. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I love crazy people, man. Philip checked out of the hospital and came to the church. Man, I, I, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. You know, when you when you're thinking of, you, you really got to grab a hold of the context of that scripture and understand that he's not talking about a mountain. You don't uproot a mountain. A mountain doesn't have roots. What has roots? You know, lies have roots. What we believe, the pain and the heartache that we're going through, and what Satan whispers in our ear while we're going through it, that has roots. That goes down. That. That that's the mountain. The, the thing that is keeping you from becoming everything Jesus created you to become has roots. And it says, the prayer of faith can say to this mountain, be uprooted and cast into the sea. Hmm. What do you need uprooted? You've got your Bibles open to Romans chapter 12. You want to testify, Richard, real quick? Is that a possibility? Come on. Richard had, uh, went on a retreat this week, a personal retreat. And uh, God did a work. Pastor was talking about roots. Um, I had deep roots for 60 years. And on the Spirit of the Lord, on this particular ministry, I spent there a healing of the heart and uh, a transformation. I now have the peace of God in my soul that I never had all my life. And God, there's nothing too difficult for him. And he sets you up. Your steps are ordered of him as my steps were. And I'm so thankful to be free. And I'm on a 21-day journey right now to continue this with the word of God and uh, tools that this ministry gives you to walk it out, to go to the other side and continue this as a lifestyle. And I have everything to thank for my wife giving me this as a gift because she knew about this ministry. And I thank God for a woman of God who can understand and not throw you out under the car or under the bus, but keep you and love you no matter what. It's, I was tired of being two different people. And the reason why I was two different people because I didn't understand what was going on inside me. But this ministry tells you how to, what's going on inside you and, and the lies that you have held on to for all these years and blaming people and, and, and so forth and blaming my, the, the, the root that was in me was an abandonment and, re, and rejection. And I had to testify to this and when I did, the, the healing process began, is that I woke up one morning, I've probably been about maybe three years old and my mother and father weren't at the house at all. And back in those days, they had oil. Uh, just what I remember, they had a can of oil that you had to put in the back of the stove to fill it up to get heat. So I had taken my sister, and therefore, as I understand about this ministry, is that I had to jump into adulthood right then and there. And it sabotaged my life. I had to take my sister, and I went to my grandmother's house, and to this day, uh, to, to that day, they didn't know how I even got there. And it was through a, a, a snowstorm. 
the hands of the Lord was upon me then. And Psalm 139 says that before you were even formed, I had your days planned out, and I will finish it to the end. So it doesn't matter what your past is. It matters that your destiny will be finished because he has already ordained it. So the second uh, one was rejection. And also, uh, the Spirit of the Lord revealed to me today, because I'm going through this process, see, and, and the spirit of fear entered into me when I was about four years old. And my mother was in the bedroom, uh, in the hotel room with her boyfriend. And in the time, I looked out the window when the boyfriend left out and went downstairs and kicking my father across the street. And I looked out, I knew I was about, I, I don't know how high uh, floors I was, but I knew I was high up on the floor and I was looking down and he's getting kicked in the belly. And I stood there and I couldn't do anything to help my dad. <laughs> and I wanted to take this guy out. This guy was big, all I know he was just big. And I had so much, I, I, that's when the spirit of fear gripped me because I couldn't do nothing. So you have to go back, to, God goes back to the childhood because that's where the root is. And see, in Corinthians it says, I acted like a child. When I became a child, I acted like a child. But when I became a man, I acted like a man. When you have still, when you don't have parent nurturing, when you don't have these kinds of things nurtured into your life, that's why children's school and all this is so important, pouring into these kids. If they don't have it, you enter into adulthood empty. And I thought that being a missionary and, and being born again was going to fix things, you know, uh, fix my life. But it, it didn't really fix my life. It had to be a special ministry under the special hand of God who understood and didn't, and there was a safe place for me to go and testify, for me to go and let out my soul to a people I didn't even know. And I couldn't trust nobody. I couldn't even trust God. But now things have changed. In one minute, in one hour, in one weekend, he can change things like the wind. He can change the storms in your life. He can change the bitter roots in your life. And I just want to thank God for what he's done. And he's not through. And so we have Unbound. Julie John is right here. It's not a weekend, it's not a getaway, it's not a place you can go for, for a, a two days, but it's a safe place. It's a very safe place, and you do similar things. Today you had a two-and-a-half-hour session. So in two-and-a-half hours you cover a life, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you deal, and, you, and, you, and you deal with stuff. We... we it's just, it's good, y'all. I'm telling you. We've told our whole worship team, you know, y'all, you know, Michael's, Michael's been through, Justin's been through, I've been through. I mean, it's good. It's good. It's just, it's cleaning house. Mel's been through. Richard Allen's been through. Yeah. It's good. I'm saying that to say there's a safe place that you can do a similar thing. It's just not a retreat, which some people need. You know, sometimes you need a retreat. <clears throat> you want to testify? <laughs> oh my goodness. I could see you now. Where'd you go? <laughs> um, when we were at Staff Retreat, we were there was we were praying over Bethany and I, and uh, the staff prayed over Bethany and I for an hour and a half. And um, in that was stuff that was coming out, and there was stuff the Lord was showing. And um, I just asked Julie if she'd do a miniature unbound right there in front of the whole staff. I didn't care, and. Um, there's one thing the Lord showed me, and that's vulnerability. And um, what would stop me from sharing my junk is pride. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do, is to hang on to your crap. 
And so can, I can say that in the mic, right? Okay. Perfect. Um, and so came came home, and and the word, and one of the Lord's one of the words the Lord had said was, um, "I want to use you, but if you don't deal with this, I'll get somebody else." When the Lord says that, it kind of rattles your cage, and you go, "I'm gonna be real, because I want to be used by the Lord. I want to be what the Lord has for me to be." And so came back and set up a thing with Julie John, and we sat in my office for about an hour and a half, and I came into it having things I wanted to deal with. Like, I know I want to deal with this. I can't cry. I want to cry. I don't know why I can't cry, but I'm going to learn how to cry. And so these things, yes. <laughs> so it's like I came in, but in, when, you know, when we got through it, it was incredible, and the Lord did stuff, and the Lord highlighted stuff that I had no idea. No idea was really there, and it goes back to childhood, and it goes back to stuff there, but the, the way it works is if you come in going, I'm ready to do business, and nothing's, nothing is removed. I'm not withholding anything from the table. If you go in going, I've got this one thing, and I'm not really sure I want to deal with it, you know, it won't work. If you're, not, if you're not willing to do business, it won't work. And it's that is that desperate desperate thing of you're my only option, and I've got to put this out on the table and bring this thing into the light, and go through go through clean house. And it's not just one time. And I told Julia, I said I'll see you again in about eight weeks, because I want to be accountable to, you know, I don't know what I might pick up or what what's going on or what lies I bought into. I just want to go through and stay clean. That's good. Romans chapter 12. Hmm. In the school of ministry, we're going through and we're talking uh, through uh, living life with, an, uh, with eternity in mind. And uh, we're doing John Bevere's book. And, uh, and it has an allegory in it that's absolutely amazing. If, you, uh, if you're not reading the book, I highly recommend it. Um, probably, I read it in two days. Started at six o'clock in the evening, read it until about midnight, and then did it again the next day, and I was done. So, I mean, you, you can you can roll through it, but it's really dealing with this one thought, and that is when you get to heaven, you're going to have to give an account for stewardship of every department compartment in your life and uh, with that in mind that eternal perspective in mind uh, including salvation uh, once you are saved you don't have to worry about that then it, then it becomes the reward aspect and that's what you have to give an account for as a believer <clears throat> what qualifies you as a believer or an unbeliever is whether you have put on a new nature. It's not whether you raised your hand in a church service. It's not whether you came up front. It's not whether you got prayed for. It's whether you put on a new nature. You have, you have put off your nature and the nature of the world, and really that is the nature of Satan and have you put on the nature of Christ? And that's salvation. When Jesus says this, he said this, and I read it Sunday, I talked about it Sunday, you know, unless you take up your cross, die to yourself, and follow me. That, that's salvation. Salvation is laying down your life and beginning to surrender and submit to his plan his perfect plan in your life. Now, when you start thinking about giving an account for how well you're doing that, you begin to take some inventory. I mean, you get real... Anybody in the class? Who's in the class who's here tonight? It's one, two, three. There's 
several of anybody done any inventory since we started doing this class i mean you you start taking inventory of how well you are you're doing that and so but the big thing i want you to understand tonight is as a believer if you are a believer you've taken on a new nature now how well you're doing that can be on a scale of one to ten a one or a ten but you have taken on a new nature and in Romans chapter 12, in the church, how you respond in the church, uh, he's talking about this new nature and, and building, becoming, and belonging to the house of God. And he says, do it like this. Chapter 12. I beg you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice. Makes a lot more sense now, doesn't it, class? Those that are in the, in the school. When you start thinking about eternity, you offer your body as a living sacrifice. You no longer live for your own selfish ambition, for your own passions, but you live for Christ you serve Christ you you discover what his purposes are and you do your very best to carry them through you move into Christ you offer yourself as a living sacrifice set apart holy set apart acceptable to God which is your reasonable service that's reasonable now, now, the reason I'm saying this, and for me, obviously for Richard and Michael, we've got a new lease. I think the class, the guys that are doing the school, have a new lease on this. I think our church is coming into some new things. Can you see it on JP? I mean, JP's like, he's entered into this place in life that's like, I mean, he is, he's rocking. That's going to continue to grow. But there is a place that we can come into that, that, is, that is a sacrifice to God. We're set apart to him and that it, it is reasonable to serve him in the capacity that we're going to serve him. Verse 2, and don't be conformed to the world. Say that with me out loud. Don't be conformed to the world. Say it with me one more time. Don't be conformed to the world. You know, before you even get to the transform part, what does that mean? You know, when Nathan, when Liz, when Liz got pregnant with Nathan, she was 40 years old or 41. And one of the doctors, what they wanted us to do was do this test to see if he was Down syndrome. And they would take, I don't know, it was a, it was a crazy test. And uh, and we we wouldn't do we we didn't do the test. You know, we didn't care. You know, I mean we cared, but we didn't care. I mean we didn't want a, a Down syndrome baby, but if we had one, we were gonna we were gonna serve the Lord and feel 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 blessed that God trusted it enough to raise that child. But once he, once that label was put on him, there was a system in the medical field that kind of labeled him as a possible candidate uh, for for this. I don't I don't know exactly how he got labeled there, but he was also a preemie. He was five weeks premature, so he got labeled there. And th and then and then they wanted us to go down this this system road they had that would continually put him in this medical place in their records that was incredibly negative when I read when I read it the point I'm trying to make here is and I can't remember all the details on it but this is what I want to say there was a system that was created that would suck you in if you let it suck you in it was a world system that is moving and flowing. It's like a river, and it will suck, it'll suck you in. It, it is a way of thinking and a way of doing. It's a way of looking at life 
especially career paths and how you pursue all that and the value you put on all of those things and you know retirement I used to sell retirement that's what I did for a living and the value we put on that and you know how much money we think is enough to actually retire and all those systems that are out there that that either impose guilt or make you feel like you're not doing what you should or make you strive for something that you shouldn't be striving for all I'm saying with that is and that and that varies and you can't put you can't put something down on paper that applies to everybody because everybody's different but here's the point there is a drastic difference between kingdom thinking and the United States of America in 2018 and what this system wants you to believe and think and what this passage of scripture is saying is that die to your passions and your desires and and what you want what you think you want and surrender and offer yourselves to Christ as a living sacrifice coming to him and saying to him Lord I'm yours speak to me if you don't speak to me if you don't give me vision if you don't tell me what you want me to do then I won't have any clue I'll just be walking around here in the dark and I'll look like every other American what I want to do Lord is I want to look like a Christ follower and he says okay then offer yourself as a living sacrifice and don't think like the world don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by thinking like the kingdom by the renewing of your mind and when you don't think like the world and you start thinking like the kingdom you will be able to prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God you know I hear all the time about people who want to do the will of God this scripture right here says to you and me that it is absolutely possible for you to be in the perfect will of God. Perfect. And you can prove God's perfect will. How? <laughs> Don't conform to the world change the way you think think kingdom and God's going to show you why because you're his because he loves you because he wants to because he's God and that's what he does that's what a good father does that's what he does so all of us are in the room and it's a new year and you're in a job you're in a marriage you've got circumstances you might even have mountains that need to be uprooted and thrown into the sea there's all kinds of things that you might need but let me ask you a question are you incredibly confident that you're right smack dab in the perfect will of God now that doesn't mean if you're in the perfect will of God that doesn't mean that everything's got to be perfect it means that you're still in the perfect will of God. The presence of God is with you. He's leading you and guiding you. He's training you and changing you. He's changing the way you think. He, he wants to change who you are. He wants to change what you're about. He wants to change what you love. He wants to give you the desire of your heart before you even know what the desire of your heart is. Let me, let me, let me walk. I was reminded, this is Wednesday night. We can really talk. By the way, we're you know, we started on our little the patio area out here. In, a, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have an outdoor kitchen out here in a fireplace. It's going to be amazing. So that, that started today. But let me just walk, walk down this road. When I got here, I've been here nine years. Joey was here a little less than nine years. So, I mean, I'm coming up on nine. So I've been here actually a little bit longer, Dolly, as you and I were talking the other day, than, than Joey was. So this is... 
I'm the pastor of this church now. <laughs> but when Joey moved here to start this church, Vulo was with him. They came here and they started this church. They used to meet back here in this shrine club right here. And, and so they met there, and I know they struggled. I mean, you know they struggled those eight years because I heard about it. I was on one of the teams that, that was in the know of what was going on in all the, all the startup churches. So you know they struggled. <clears throat> but they, you know, they struggled their way into, you know, and, and ebbed and flowed as far as what, what was attending. But Phil and Dolly attended a, a little Baptist church here called New Life Baptist Church, and it had dwindled down to just a few families, right? How many were left when y'all? About 20, 20 families or 20, 20 people? There's about 20 people left in, in, in New Life Baptist Church, and Phil and Dolly gave, because they were the authority in New Life, signed over the deed of this property in this church to... Eastside Church. And so Joy and them moved in here in 2000 and, help me, 2005. I want to say there was about a $125,000 mortgage still left. Is that a, huh? $128,000 mortgage on a $1.2 million property. Come on. <laughs> Y'all see where I'm going? You see where I'm going? <laughs> so God gave Eastside Church a $1.2 million property for $128,000. Right? And so, and so in 2009, Liz and I get here. And, and all the leaders that have, have come in are absolutely amazing. So, so and, and I don't want to... I don't want to give away the people, but, I mean, Michael Wallace, 20-year-old, whip behind the ears. Anybody grateful for what God, if you watch God do in him uh, over this over this nine years? Pretty stinking amazing. <laughs> Brock and Mel Nevitt went through. Y'all just don't have any idea what they had to go through to come out to the other side of where you are now. It's absolutely amazing. Hanging in when everything around them said don't. And then this year, having a, you know, what God is, is doing right now with Back Creek School and Karis Bible College is giving us $2 million worth of buildings that are sitting out here on the deal for free. Somebody say free. And we did have to pay to move them over here. The Back Creek had to pay to they moved over here, and that was that was a chunk of change to move them over here. But now we've got a school that's going to be moving out here on the deal. And and one of the things that we would have done is we'd have been a sanctuary three years ago if we hadn't just waited and followed God. We just we'd have tried to borrow money and tried to build it right out here, and the maximum we could have done that, uh, the maximum seating in that would have been about 400. And we're going to make this place right here seat between 600 and 800 and do it for about half the money. And so what you're going to find is, and then I think, you know, I think we're going to pay the thing off before we get it done, but we'll see how God does that. Would you agree with me on that, Joe? So just think for a moment, if you're just thinking about God's plan and just nobody would have ever put that together. Nobody would have ever put that together. The perfect will of God. Right? How did it come together? Those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall run and not grow weary. <laughs> God's, God's going to just, he's going to do the work. I'm saying that to say, for you and me, 
this is the promise of God for us. This is the promise of God for you. That you can know his perfect will in your life, and it can happen to you. And it's not going to look like what you think it's supposed to look like. I can promise you this. You plan it, it ain't happening that way if you're going to follow God. You can plan it and do it, but unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain. And so he has given us the formula, and that is do not. Say that with me. Do not do things like the world does them. Instead, change the way you think and start doing the way the kingdom does it. And when you do that, you will do the perfect will of God. That's what that says. And so once we've put ourselves in that position, that's all it is. That's all that is. That's a posture and a position to be taught, to be, to be a teachable person, that you can learn from God. You're sitting at his feet in that position. And then he says this, For I say to you, through the power of God that does more than you can do on your own, it was given to Paul so that every one of us would not think more highly of himself than we ought. But that we would think soberly of ourselves because God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. For we have some members in one body, as we are members in one body, but we don't have the same function. We're the same because we're sons and daughters of God, but we're not the same because we don't have the same function. So we being many in the body... We're still one in Christ. We're individual members, but at the same time, we're very different because we have gifts different from each other according to the power of God that's working in each one of us that can do more than we can do on our own. It was given to us, and Paul writes to you and me and says, use it. Use it. Some have the gift of prophecy. If you do, prophesy. Well, how do you prophesy? Well, you prophesy in proportion to your faith. Prophecy, let me give you a definition. It is supernatural power to see things that you shouldn't see and to speak words that come from God into people's life that you should know. It always has to line up with the word, but it oftentimes is the word, maybe paraphrased or applied to a certain situation that can actually, it actually has power on it to penetrate and break the yokes, break the bondage. So he says, if you've got that gift, operate in it. Use the gift. If you have the gift of ministry, which is serving, service, somebody that has the gift of service, they just want to find where there's a need and they want to meet that need. We really need people with the gift of service around here. You just see, I, Phil, Phil has the gift of service. We need people with the gift of service that operate mainly in that gift. He says, if you've got that gift of service, use that gift of service. If you teach, then teach. 
you know, if, if, you, if you feel like you've got a gift of teaching, somebody's going to validate that in you. If, if it's not validated in you, you might be just taking a walk in your own dreams. <laughs> so people around you will love you. There is a place for you, and we're going to get into that in a minute. You also know what James 3 says. Don't, if, don't many of you want, don't, don't, don't be teachers. There's a harsher judgment. Don't want to do that. So, but if you've got the gift, then you need to use the gift. If you're an exhorter, if you, if you exhort, then, then do it. I heard Charles Stanley teach one time on, on the gift of exhortation or encouragement. And he said this. An encourager is the a person with the spiritual gift of encouragement in in a body of believers like this is one of the most fun people to be around as long as they're walking in the spirit. If they're walking in the flesh, they're critical and sarcastic and cynical, and they're miserable people. <laughs> you don't you don't ever want to get around them because they'll criticize everything. So use your gift of encouragement, exhortation. He who gives, give liberally. Has the gift of giving. Most people who have the gift of giving have the gift of making money. They seem to go hand in hand. Because God knows that he can use that person to give to whatever situation he wants to give them to. Give liberally. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And when we start talking about spiritual gifts in the body of Christ, I'm going to get to something else in a minute, and I want to, I want to get there quickly here too, but when you start talking about spiritual gifts, this is what I want you to understand. You may have a tendency to have the gift of prophecy, and, and that's your main gift. Or maybe you're an encourager, and that's your main gift. Maybe like Philip, you're a servant, that's your main gift. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have whatever gift is needed in you. Because he has all the gifts. And whatever's needed at the moment, you just, you do that. You use the gifts. Right? And so he's saying in a church environment and in your workplace, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a, there's a bunch of them in there. There's a couple that I really love. I love words of knowledge. If there's any gift that I love more than, than the others, and I know you're not supposed to other than prophecy, he says, pray that you prophesy, especially that you prophesy, is the word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is getting information you shouldn't have. And if he gives you a word of knowledge and you spit that out, it blows people's mind, especially when you're praying for them. You can begin to pray for people and get a word of knowledge, which means you just begin to pray their life in front of them when you shouldn't know it. Happens all the time. And they just go, it happened last week with Vulo. Right up here, I was watching it happen right here. Vulo didn't really know the individual very well and just begin to pray over them. And word of knowledge came on him, and he just began to do that, and the person just crumbled right in front of him because he came up to ask for prayer for something else. Happens all the time. But don't you think your boss needs words of knowledge? I mean, what 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 value is a believer in the workplace with the gift of a word of knowledge? What about wisdom? This is all these are in Corinthians. What about the gift of wisdom? Gift of wisdom is being able to come up with solutions supernaturally. It is the supernatural. But in other words, it's not because you're intelligent. It's not because you're smart. God drops wisdom in you, solutions to problems by his grace, by his power working in you that does more than you can do on your own. Don't you think, don't you want wisdom? Don't you think your boss needs the gift of wisdom to be operating in your workplace? He, he may not act like he wants it, but he needs it. And you just can't be arrogant. And that's what we're, we just read just a minute ago. Let them think 
not more highly than they ought. All right? So then he keeps going. He says this. So let's break this down. I just want to kind of talk about it casually. He, he's talking about, all right, quit thinking like the world. Start thinking like the kingdom. Lay down your life. Serve me. Do what I called you to do on earth. Be conformed and transformed to the kingdom of heaven. And when you do that, when you think that way, when you're doing those things, you're going to carry out God's perfect will. It's going to happen. And he says, you're going to operate in spiritual gifts. And you can't see it idly by not operating in spiritual gifts. You've been given spiritual gifts. Use them. Use them. <laughs> and then he goes into a whole nother thought process. He says, behave like a Christian. When you're out there, let love be without hypocrisy. When you're out there, abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. When you're out there, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honoring, giving preference to everybody else. Now, that's not indeed only, that's in your heart. What does that mean? <laughs> That means that Michael sits down. Now, I know Michael's doing, he's sitting down because he, he, want, he wanted to, you know, take a break. And he's, you know, he's home and he's drinking lemonade all day while JP's doing all his work. I, I know that's what was really going on. It's not it. Okay, it's not it. But you, you, you elevate people. That's one of the things that I think we do pretty well around here. We're going to get better. But what we want to do is we'll say, this is Nyla's. This is JP's. This is Michael. This is Justin's. This is Max. We want to see these people flourish and prosper. But you can't do that if you don't prefer them over yourself. Let me say that one more time. I'm reading this out of Scripture. It's saying prefer other people to do stuff up front, especially over you. Don't lag in diligence. Have Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continually, continually praying. Make sure everybody has everything they need. And then when somebody persecutes you, bless them. Don't curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things. That means don't aspire for high positions. Don't you just hear me? That's un-American. That is not in our nature. That is not in our character whatsoever. Is it? Do not set your mind on high things. Don't aspire for position. But associate yourself with the humble. Don't be wise in your own opinion. Don't ever pay anybody evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And if it's possible, if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, Live peaceably with everybody. Everybody. Say all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. But rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink. 
For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, dang, I'm over. I thought I was slow. Let's think about about the first thing. Okay. If I'm living for eternity, then I know I'm going to have to give an account. Okay? How well do I love without hypocrisy? How well do I cling to what is good and not what's evil? How affectionate and kind I am I to my brothers and sisters? How well do I prefer them over me? How fervent is my spirit? How well do I serve the Lord? Am I full of joy and hope? Am I patient when things don't go my way? How's my prayer life? Is it steadfast and every day? Am I going to give an account for that? The only thing, let me tell you, let me ease your mind. The only thing that you're going to give an account for is this. That's all. If it's written in here, that's what you're going to be held accountable to. <laughs> so in your mind at ease now? Listen. And you're here so that you can learn. You're here because you love the Lord. You're here because you want to do righteousness. But I'm discovering that it takes many hours a day to know the Word of God and to actually do it. It's not something you stumble into. It takes diligence. So, we're going to be diligent, right? Yes? Are y'all with me? It's just boring as a box of rocks. It's just real, man. And I'm in a very real mood. That means I'm having self-examinations and failing the test on, on a quite regular. I'm thinking about my love and my patience and my servanthood to my Lord and how, how well I'm doing that compared to the world and compared to what I think is the expectation that's written in Scripture. And I'm sober-minded about my grade. It's the mile. So, Father, is, there's this huge sobriety in the room. You say in your word that you are faithful. You say in your word, Lord, that if we'll lay down our lives, if we truly will say, God, I, I don't care. There's nothing that's off limits to you. I'm not going to establish anything that's off limits to you. And I want to take a big eraser to my life, and I want to say to them, all right, Lord, you tell me in each one, is that you? Is this you, Lord? Is this you here? Is this you here? This issue here. 
I get to keep those. How well am I doing that representing the kingdom? How well am I serving you, Lord, bringing heaven to those things that you're allowing me to keep? Am I patient? Am I kind? Am I full of joy? Am I an exhorter? Am I seeing things in the spirit? Am I carrying out your perfect will in those things? Am I attentive to you, Lord? Do I listen to you? Do I ask for your opinion? Do I want to hear your opinion? And then when you give me your opinion, Lord, do I respond to you? Or do I just go gallivant? Oh, it was great worshiping you, Jesus. Let me go gallivant and do my thing. Thank you for making me have goosebumps. <laughs> we're so grateful for where you have brought us we're so grateful for your faithfulness and we know that you're going to be faithful to the end but father you're calling us to a season you're calling this pastor I know you're calling this worship leader and his staff a season that there's nothing held back from you. There's nothing hidden from you and we know it. And we're very sober in what we're going to be given an account for. And we know that you've already called us to a season of prayer and a season of servanthood that we need to learn how to pray and we need to learn how to serve. That looks like kingdom. So, Father, that's our list so far. You can add to it as you will. We're not overwhelmed. Because we know that your grace is sufficient. And we understand that your power at work within us is able to accomplish your perfect will. So in every area of my life, in my marriage with my wife, as a father to my son and my daughter, as a granddaddy to my grandchildren, as a friend, as a pastor, as a leader. In every way, God, I have the ability to do your perfect will. Help me. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Anybody else feel that? Besides me. I mean, it's just he's there's an there's something that he's doing in us that's gonna change us and it's